G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. You know, over the past 2,000 years, there's been a bunch of, some might say, reckless Christians who have decided it's a good thing to set a date either for Christ's return or for the end of the world. Well, I wonder whether you've got something to add to our conversation today because we're going to talk about date setting and the return of Christ and the folly of some of those who have decided it's a good thing to say the world will end on a particular date. And this is not something that's new. This has been happening over the past two millennia. Well, we'll open our talkback lines. You can join our conversation 1-800-316-316 to talk through this issue. Bill Muhlenberg has been writing about this of recent times. Uh, Some of his latest blog posts uh, have been dealing with this issue of setting dates and uh, some of the things that, uh, that really can cause all sorts of consternation in various Christian believers around the world. Uh, let's get some insights today into this phenomenon of people setting dates and perhaps even more of a phenomenon of those who would actually follow uh, the date-setting idea. Bill Muhlenberg, welcome along to 2020. Great to be with you. Well, Bill, this is a fascinating conversation because from time to time we do hear of people, and uh, usually not here in Australia, although it's not it's not unknown that Australians have jumped on this bandwagon of setting dates for the end of the world or for the second coming of Christ. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk about some of the recent uh, issues that you've been writing about. Uh, tell us about this uh, this fellow. Uh, his name is uh, is Chris McCann. What's uh, what's he been saying of late? Oh uh, well, <laughs> sadly, uh, another one of these guys who uh, has done the very thing Jesus told us not to do, which is to set a date, to pick a time, a day, an hour. Uh, Jesus, if you look at Matthew twenty four and twenty five, repeatedly warns us not to do this even says i don't know the day or the hour only my father so if jesus himself does not know the exact timing of the lord's return well then how foolish is it that uh, mere mortals will actually uh, time and again set a date only to be proven wrong and yes this guy is uh, well most recently he said october 7 Pretty sure, he said, it's almost 100% certain Jesus is coming back. The world will be annihilated on October 7. Well, as far as I know, that hasn't happened. At least I'm still talking to you on the phone. So (laughs) not all of the world's been annihilated. And, uh, you know, it's been a good week at least. And the sad thing is, this guy has been involved with this kind of stuff before, uh, about four years earlier. He was associated with another false prophet in this regard, Harold Camping, 
who even took out big billboards and signs and advertisements saying the world's coming to an end. Well, it didn't four years ago. It didn't on October 7 of this year. And, uh, you know, so you know, when are we going to ignore these people? They have such a big following. They People hang on to their every word, and they, you know, some of them do radical stuff, sell their homes, and, you know, and then all of a sudden they realize, oops, I still need to eat tomorrow. I still need clothes. I still need a place to stay because, gee, Jesus has not returned like I was promised. Well, Bill, sometimes we might align the idea of setting dates for the end of the world with cult groups, and there Mm -hmm. have been some cults uh, that have set those dates, and those dates have gone by, and uh, and I guess that's uh, they've proved wrong as well. But even people who perhaps you wouldn't put under a classification of being a cult leader uh, Mm. can fall into a deception, or perhaps it's their own self-importance or their own uh, particular capacity to interpret the Bible uh, that mm-hmm. seems to bubble over and uh, and 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 in so doing I guess it's a, a point of, of pride that uh, that you've seen something there in the scriptures that nobody else saw and they therefore set a date yeah no absolutely it is a a mix as you say certainly many of our kind of more recent cults have been noted for this very thing setting a date it doesn't happen so they set another date it still doesn't happen i mean gee whiz you'd really want to give these people a flick if they keep getting it wrong uh so certainly it's a a sign of cults when they keep doing this but yeah those who are you know regard as more sensible and more orthodox christians are not immune from this either so we've had well even the person we just mentioned who would claim to be, you know, more or less a good Christian and some of these other guys. Uh, It's a temptation, and yeah, it's one way to make a name for yourself, that's for sure. And probably some of these guys are sincere and well-meaning and well-intentioned, but come on, you can be sincerely wrong. You can be deceived. And again, when Jesus makes it so plain that we just do not know the specific time, so do not... Uh, set a date, I mean, come on, that's there in the Word of God. There should be no uh, question whatsoever. You don't set dates. Jesus told us not to. So it's a it's a tragic situation indeed, whether good uh, people, you know, maybe goodish Christians who basically believe well in other areas can get it so wrong here. Um, it, well, it does huge damage to Christian credibility, it does damage to the gospel, damage to the church, so uh, we'll, really we should avoid all this like the plague. Well Bill, oftentimes the idea of date setting comes with this understanding that Christian believers have about what they believe about the last times or mm-hmm. uh, you know that technical terminology yep. called eschatology, the yep. study of last things. Yep. Uh, people want to put things into a box, uh, have uh, all of their ideas and their thinking in an orderly way, and uh, once there's been a bunch of boxes ticked and those things have happened, then we must be close to the end coming. Uh, mm. You can see how people could be tempted to set dates, but yeah. but how, how do you understand uh, the eschatology side of why people might be tempted to set dates? Mm-hmm. Well, you raise a good point here. We've got the, the good, the legitimate, and in this case, the doctrine of the Lord's return, the second coming of Christ, that is a, you know, it's a wonderful 
teaching. It's a, a blessed truth that we are, you know, we not only look forward to, we teach it, we proclaim it. Uh, the Bible speaks much to it. So in that sense, yeah, eschatology is uh, very vital to the Christian life. But as we've kind of pointed out, that's a, a different matter than setting some specific date. Um, you know, the idea that Christ is coming again and will put all wrongs to the right and deal with all the, you know, uh, bring justice and judgment and uh, deal with all the martyrs and persecution. Boy, those are glorious truths. But the idea that we can pinpoint an exact date, that's that's where we get into a lot of trouble. So there's a, you know, a place for Christians to discuss eschatology. And as I say, uh, you know, it's, it's often a secondary kind of issue. Uh, there's room to move. We can disagree on this particular view or that particular view of the end times. So unlike, say, a core doctrine, say the Trinity or deity, deity of Christ, where we really do need to uh, toe the line, if you will, there is some room to move in eschatology and viewpoints about it. So therefore, we should show a little bit of uh, humility and grace to one another as we, you know, weigh up the various options. Let's dwell on this just for a moment, Bill, because you raise an important point about the context in which we appreciate the end times teaching. And for some people, once they've got their teeth into something and they've begun to understand that there are things that the Bible teaches about the last days, about end times, that all of a sudden that becomes an all-consuming mm. passion. Uh, what you're saying is that there is a context and mm. that all-consuming passion ought to come under some other passions, mm. uh, some other important teachings in context. Yes, uh, absolutely. It's a uh, uh, ever-present temptation to take one you know, important issue and kind of make it the most important issue to the exclusion of all others. And uh, many of us have been guilty of this. I myself, I have to say, when I was a new Christian long ago, I really got into it. I was really gung-ho on all things eschatology. I used to teach classes on it. I had my little charts and my pointer stick and the whole bit. And I was certain I had the right view on eschatology and that all the other views were wrong. And, you know, I could often break fellowship with other Christians if they didn't line up with my particular pet hobby horse when it came to the end times. Now I can say, I think fortunately or thankfully, that uh, I've matured a little bit, and now I see the wisdom and various other options when it comes to, you know, the millennium and the end times and so on. And in fact, I've even shifted a bit myself, probably don't believe all the things I used to as a young Christian, so as I say, in the in the greater scheme of things, it's not a primary doctrine. If you deny the deity of Christ, you're putting yourself outside of the Christian camp of Christian orthodoxy. But if you believe in a post-mill or a pre-mill situation, if you believe in a rapture or no rapture, uh, these are areas we can, you know, agree to disagree on, we can discuss, we can debate, but to uh, go you know, go to the wall over this and claim it's something you have to die for. Uh, that's where we can get into a bit of strife, a bit of trouble. And that's what I said. A little bit of humility can go a long way here. Uh, there are Christians who disagree on some of the matters of the end times. And I think we should show them a bit of grace and love. If 
you want to disagree, fine, do it in a gracious manner. But uh, your salvation really does not rest on your particular uh, theory of the end times. It does rest on a saving faith in Jesus Christ, and that's what we certainly should be emphasizing. Well, inviting listeners to join into our conversation today, you might have your own thoughts on the end of the world. How do you talk about last times? Uh, How do you feel about the idea of people setting dates? Uh, You might like to join in our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Bill, you know, if we're getting into confession time, as you were, uh, I can just imagine you now standing in front of a a bunch of... uh, you know, butcher's paper up on the wall and drawing timelines and uh, various things. But if I was bringing my own confession in back in the early 80s, I I was influenced by the teaching of the time, uh, which was Barry Smith. Do you recall Barry Smith? Well, Uh, he was was very much a timeline type of a guy too. And uh, (laughs) and I remember I had actually sticky taped it to the front door. I was flatting with with some guys and uh, and we had a series of boxes there and a number of those were ticked off and the rest of these are ticked off that Jesus is returning. Now, he wasn't into date setting, but but he was into uh, setting timelines. Mm. And uh, this idea of uh, dispensationalism, the, mm-hmm. and we, we can talk yeah. about that too, and the listeners might like to contribute to our conversation on this. Yep. Uh, but we'll talk about those sorts of timelines and, and mm. the, the good things that those timelines do and also uh, the shortfallings of those timelines. Mm. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It is Neil with you and our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 talking about date setting, the end of the world. You can contribute to our conversation 1-800-316-316. Bill, we'll get into this and we'll take some calls in just a few moments but uh, the way our motivations change as Christian believers when we have a date in our mind. This, for some people, they think, well, if you've got a date set, then you're going to be stronger and more proactive mm-hmm. with your Christian faith. But perhaps the opposite is true. What are your thoughts on, on the motivations of mm-hmm. believers once you're influenced by the idea of end times? Yes, well, actually, Scripture does speak to that issue as well. Uh, for example, in Second Peter, we read about the end times and uh, Peter talks about the promise of his coming, and people mock that and scoff and say, hey, he hasn't come yet, you know, and uh, so they're kind of making fun this, of this idea that Christ is returning. But it's interesting, in this big discussion of the end times, Peter goes on to say, in the light of all this, uh, what sort of people ought you to be? And he goes on to talk about holiness and so on. And that's quite a different spin that many of us have when we're, you know, waxing eloquent on our favorite pet eschatological theme. Uh, You know, for Peter, it was a matter of, hey, Christ is coming back. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to be living a godly and holy life. And, uh, you know, that should be the emphasis, not setting dates, not ticking off boxes on the calendar, the prophetic calendar and all the rest. Uh, in fact, we could say two more things quickly here. There are some Christians who actually seem to rejoice in this every time there's another 
earthquake or flood or massacre, and they say, oh, yippee, end times, Jesus is coming back. Uh, I'm not sure if that's really a godly response. Uh, you know, we shouldn't celebrate when, uh, you know, a, a flood or tsunami wipes out hundreds of thousands of people. We should have the compassion of Christ. Whether or not this is a sign of the times, you know, we can debate that. And the second thing is, I always point out to people who really get into this, Jesus said quite clearly, occupy till I come. Keep busy with the work of the kingdom. Sadly, too many can let their eschatology become an excuse where they got their bags packed, their feet are up, they're just waiting for the Lord to come back, and they're doing nothing for the kingdom. Come on, he could come back today, but maybe he won't come back for 100 years, in which case we've got work to do. We've got to extend the kingdom. So don't let your end times view uh, become an excuse for inactivity and just sitting around. Okay, let's take some calls. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Belle in Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Belle. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, it's Val here. Oh, Val. Val, okay. Val, yeah, great Val. to hear from you. Yeah, um, first of all, it's not the end of the world. Um, it's the end of the age. The world's just going to come under new management. And... Um, Jesus has given us a job to do, and that's make all nations my disciples. And uh, I don't believe he's going to come back till we finish the job. Mm. But I believe things are going to accelerate uh, in these times, that there's going to be a final great harvest in fulfilment of the Feast of Tabernacles. But the Bible says that the heavens must retain Jesus until a time of the restoration of all things. So the world's not going to end or blow up. It is going to come under new management and it is going to be restored. But we've got a job to do. And when we've done it, Jesus will come back. Val, let's get some thoughts from Bill Muhlenberg. Bill? Mm. Yes, some very good points there. Certainly, the whole idea that we've got a job to do, we've got uh, work to do, that's, uh, again, my emphasis. Uh, We can't let our view of the end times become an excuse to uh, be inactive and to do nothing. Um, Again, if he comes tomorrow, fine, but, uh, well, people have been saying this for, you know, years, for centuries, oh, any time now, and... uh, It's a good thing we all didn't put life on hold, you know, forget our college career, forget our family, forget everything, sell the home. Because at least for the first 2,000 years, every prediction about his coming has proven to be a false one. And her original point, of course, is quite true as well. We read in Revelation and elsewhere about a new heavens and a new earth. So even though we may not know all the fine details of that, it sounds like, yeah, there will be a... A new earth, whether that's simply a reconstituted old earth or, you know, how exactly we're to understand that. It's, you know, we don't get all the detail. But, yeah, even in that sense, it sounds like, uh, you know, instead of just floating around on clouds for eternity, uh, according to Revelation, Isaiah, other bits, uh, we'll be doing stuff on a new earth. So there will be life on earth as well. So that even gives us a... Um, you know, concerns about, say, the environment. Uh, you know, Christians shouldn't be 100% blasé about how we treat planet Earth, because it's possible in one way or another uh, we may be living on it forever. 
Val from Mackay, uh, some good points there. Thanks so much for being part of 2020 today. Uh, there was another point that Val made just to uh, to raise with you, Bill. The idea that going into all the world and making disciples mm-hmm. oh, is not absolutely. disciples of individuals alone, but disciple mm-hmm. discipling nations. Yeah. And uh, that in itself doesn't lend itself to the idea of sitting back and yep. uh, watching the world go by, watching the end times come to uh, a culmination uh, in the end, but it actually is all about the influence yep. of leadership of Christian believers on mm. nations. Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned, if you just look at what we call the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24 and 25, there, probably more than anywhere, Jesus not only speaks about the end, but warns against uh, date setting at least four times in those two chapters he specifically says we don't know uh, the day or the hour but as Val said and as you have just pointed out uh, one thing he did say the gospel must first be preached to every nation and then the end will come so there you go now this is interesting uh, you know the end is not coming until basically all the nations hear the gospel so we can have a well, you know, you can almost have a fatalistic view. Jesus will come back whenever he wants, but there, at least, it seems like there's almost a condition put in on, in place on, you know, you want me to come back? Well, what are you doing with the gospel? Are you out there in all the nations proclaiming the gospel? So, sure, Jesus knows, uh, and God has a, a timetable, but there's a sense in which the body of Christ has got our own obligation. we got our own responsibility. If we're just sitting here with our bags packed and our feet up, instead of going to the whole world, well, is it? Uh, can we even think in terms of we might be delaying uh, the coming of the Lord? So a little bit of food for thought there. Don't accuse me of being a heretic, just saying there's, uh, you know, uh, some things we can consider here. I suspect there might be some who will be thinking that all the nations of the earth have been uh, recipients of Mm. this gospel, but there are still so many unreached people groups in the world today where missionaries have not reached into those communities. Uh, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Beth in Brisbane. Hello, Beth. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, Neil. My comment is going to be very simplistic, I'm afraid. But That's okay. The, the world ended for me the day I met Jesus. Okay. And, and you know, it's, it does change your life. It does change the world and the way that you can then um, speak to others that you actually know this person, not someone that you've heard about. And I just found that really changed the world for me. You know, there's a lot of deep things in that simple statement, Beth, because when we come to Christ, when we have that born-again experience, uh, we really do begin our eternal life from that point, don't we? Uh, Bill Muhlenberg, your thoughts on, on what Beth is sharing? Well, I think that's a very healthy perspective indeed. Uh, I mean, sure, the Bible has different senses of the word world, uh, so when we speak of the end of the world, we're often meaning, you know, when all things come to an end and he returns and so on. But yeah, the world in the sense of a system that's opposed to God, stands against Christ and his values, sure. As we come to know Christ, the world becomes dead to us, or it should, let's put it that way. 
just like the old man we're supposed to die to, we're supposed to die to the world and its values. And uh, in many ways, that's the key thing, not looking about for a particular date and so on. But, you know, am I dead to the world, alive to Christ, and making a difference in the days that he's given me? Beth, do you have anything more to add to your very simple comment? Neil, I'd, I'd get too deep, I'm afraid, so I'll, I'll end it there. Okay. Um, yeah, the Lord's really been speaking to me uh, very deeply for a while, quite a while now, and uh, I just see things so differently. I, I, Bill mentioned people sell their home and whatever, but when Jesus comes back, the economy's not going to be like it is now, and, um, you know, we're not to be afraid. Uh, we just onward Christian soldiers, as the, as the hymn says, mm. and um, to go forward in faith. Wonderful. Beth, thanks so much for being part of 2020 today. Well, we're talking about the world coming to an end, or at least people who are setting dates for such a thing and basing their date setting on their interpretation of the Bible. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join into our conversation. Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch is with us today. He's been writing about this sort of thing of uh, of recent times and not the first time he's written about it, uh, talking about identities like Chris McCann, who predicted that the world would be destroyed on the 7th of October. That's just... Uh, just like last week, isn't it? And then reflecting on the 2011 predictions of of uh, of camping, uh, Harold camping. Well, you might have your own thoughts. In one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen is our number. Let's take some calls. Uh, Bill Graham is in Tasmania. Hello, Graham. Welcome along to twenty twenty. Hello. Hi, Graham. Just, what are your thoughts today? My thoughts is this: that people should study their Bible. Study it to know what they're being told, whether it be lies or whether it be the truth. Deception is everywhere. And uh, just at the present moment, this world is showing that the time at the end is very close. And again, uh, Christ did say, only the Father knows. Not even I know that, says the Lord. And so all what's happening in the Middle East... Uh, a lot of nations, the Arab problems, and of course, uh, as I say, that people need to study their Bible, and then they won't be deceived because there's going to be great deception. Good thoughts there, Graham. Let's hear from Bill Muhlenberg. Bill, on what Graham's sharing. Yes, absolutely right indeed. Uh, we have to be students of the book. Um, that'll keep us from all sorts of deception and falsehoods. Um, Always think about the Bereans, right, in Acts 17, where it says they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they studied the Scriptures daily to see if what Paul and the others were teaching them was actually the case. That's pretty good. They didn't just take whatever Paul threw at them. They daily studied the Scripture and checked everything against the Word of God, and that always has to be our bottom line as well, uh, whether you got a popular teacher, um, preacher, doesn't matter what a big cheese he might be, what a big audience he has, if he starts telling you such and such is going to happen on this and that date, well, as we said, Matthew twenty four twenty five alone would seem to indicate, sorry, you cannot do that. You cannot pick a date. Jesus can't even do it. So uh, that's, uh, well, look, that's your guard against most error you can keep out of heresy, you can keep out of the cults, just be a faithful student of Scripture and study it every day. That's got to help quite a bit.
Graham from Tasmania, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Let's hear from Shanty in Melbourne in Victoria. Hello, Shanty. Welcome along to 2020. Hi. Hi, Shanty. What are your thoughts? Um, just, uh, just to share something small and short, um, I've been interceding a lot about this, the end times and seeking the Lord and asking Him questions, you know. And one night when I was in deep um, prayer with Him, the Holy Spirit told me, read the Bible. I said, Lord, I don't know where to turn the Bible. Lord, you show me where. And and I just turned the Bible, and it was um, Daniel chapter 8, and my eyes fell on Gabriel interprets the vision. And I did read the whole thing. I do struggle with the Old Testament, and I'm still reading it. That was very strong upon my heart from the Holy Spirit. I just want to share that, that's all. What was it out of Daniel chapter 8 that you particularly took notice of, Shanti? Um, where it says, Gabriel interprets the vision. And I read the whole thing, and I still have the Bible here, and I've highlighted everything. But I'm still reading it, and I'm still finding it hard to understand, though, you know, the Old Testament. Uh, there's something small I thought I'll share with you all. Shanti, let's hear from Bill. Bill, your thoughts on what Shanti's sharing? Very good point indeed. Um, For those who want the more fancy term, there's what we call apocalyptic literature, and there's two main books, especially in the Bible, that uh, fit in this category. One is the book of Daniel, and one, of course, is the book of Revelation. It's its own kind of genre, not just talking about end times, but a lot of uh, symbolism, symbolic actions, words, deeds, numbers, names. So it uh, can, as we've already heard from Shanti, it can be a bit uh, hard to always understand, hard to uh, interpret. So in some senses, we need even a bit more care as we read through books like Revelation and Daniel. In fact, some of the great reformers uh, had written commentaries on many, if not most, of the books of the Bible, but some of them actually said, well, look, I might keep away from something like Revelation. This one is a toughie, no question. Uh, As far as Daniel goes, of course, we know in the 12 chapters, it's kind of divided neatly in half. The first six are more uh, narrative stories of Daniel and his friends and all the miraculous stuff. And then the last six are really pretty hardcore visions about the future. Uh, Again, the apocalyptic dreams and visions that kings and others have and Daniel trying to explain, uh, you know, how are we to understand some of these things. And then he talks about, you know, the words of this book will be sealed up until the end times, as if it will be uh, continue to be a fairly hard to decipher set of uh, uh, prophetic words until perhaps we get to that place where we are close to the Lord's return. So it's a a very important book indeed, certainly those last six chapters of Daniel. Uh, sometimes in the help we need for some of these, if you get a good commentary or Bible study, uh, they can help in illuminating some of these difficult portions of Scripture. But, uh, well, remember even what Peter said of Paul. He said at some points what Paul has said is hard to understand. Uh, so I think that's uh, interesting if the Apostle Paul can find even some of Paul's writings uh, a bit uh, sometimes hard to wade through. Uh, I think, again, if we all show a bit of humility, again, affirm strongly the uh, the core doctrines, you know, we can't give up on 
the deity of Christ and so on. But we can show a bit of grace and humility in some of the uh, perhaps more secondary issues like our particular view of the end times. So uh, I think that's a good place to be. Stay on your knees, read the Word daily, uh, show a bit of humility, and ask the Holy Spirit to guide, along with perhaps reading a few good uh, commentaries or Bible study helps. Shanti from Melbourne, thanks so much for your call today. Let's hear from Jonathan in Perth, WA. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome along. Yes. Uh, I, according to what uh, I was listening to, the speaker was talking just now. Yep. We're, Bill's on the line. Yep. What are your thoughts, Jonathan? Jonathan, are you with us? I think something's happened to uh, Jonathan. Jonathan, you might like to call us back. Uh, our telephone number, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join into our conversation, Jacob is in New South Wales. Hello, Jacob. Yes, hello. Jacob, what are your thoughts on our discussion today? Well, I, I agree with what Bill's saying about, you know, we can't put times and dates, and that comes out clearly in verse 36 of Matthew 24. But then going back a few verses, it also says that uh, when you take the lesson from the fig tree, when the twigs get tender, etc., that we know the summer is near. And I think there's things that we can take from Scripture that shows that we are in that very last time. Um, and I actually was um, did a study going back to verse 7 and 8 of Matthew 24, where it talks about famines, earthquakes, uh, kingdoms against kingdoms, and these are the beginning of birth pains. And what I actually did was I looked at or analysed um, contractions and that and plotted it out on the graph and then did the same thing mapping wars, earthquakes and famines um, over the, from the time of Christ to now and they all followed the same sort of curve line like an increasing um, I think a binomial curve which shows that we're sort of getting close to the end of the labour or end of the times that we're in. Good points in there. Bill Muhlenberg, the idea of setting dates doesn't mean that there might not be a ballpark or uh, some sort of indication that times are close. What are your thoughts? Yes, all quite right again. Um, in fact, interspersed in so much of this discussion, Matthew twenty four twenty five, you have the various parables, the whole idea of being prepared, being ready, don't be caught off guard. That's kind of a a general theme that certainly runs through not just those two chapters, but much of the discussion of the end times. The idea is, while we may not know the day, uh, even Acts 1, 6, and 7, we get the same thing. It's not for you to know. Uh, nonetheless, there's a sense of a general preparedness, having a sense of, all right, uh, if Christ comes back today, am I ready? And that's probably not a bad, helpful attitude. Uh, the simple truth is Christians for 2,000 years have thought it was the end. <laughs> Many have uh, thought, you know, any day now, any second, surely these are the last times. So again, if it leads to more godly living, if it leads us to occupy till he comes, to be busy with the work of the kingdom, well, that's the right response. As we heard one caller say, we shouldn't be living in fear. And another thing to avoid is, as we said, packing the bags, your feet are up, you're going to do nothing. Uh, the truth is, if we did think these are the last days, then we should be all the more uh, urgent and serious about reaching loved ones, family, friends, and so on. So certainly not an excuse for inactivity, but to uh, be even more zealous for the Lord and his kingdom. Jacob from New South Wales, thanks so much for your call. Let's hear from Andrew in Bow Desert in Queensland. Hello, Andrew. Welcome along to 2020. 
Yeah, good day. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Um, I just wanted to make three quick points. Um, firstly, on imminency. We might have time for one point. Uh, pick out your best one. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, I guess where it said, you know, that we will preach to all the world, um, I guess that could be... That could be um, kind of date setting, where say, say people say that oh we've reached all the nations now, we've we've reached all the tribes, um, and then uh, we say well Christ should be returning any moment. So, Interesting guess, point when um, you say you're actually saying well how do you define what date setting is? Bill Muhlenberg, your thoughts on what is date setting? Well, he, he raises a good point here. Uh, those who know a bit about the Greek and the, the idea of uh, the gospel going to all the nations. The word there is ethnos. So as he even uh, rightly hinted, the tribes, peoples, ethnic groups. So if we talk about, look, maybe 221 nations have somehow heard the gospel, uh, it's certainly much more likely what Jesus had in mind the various ethnic groups, the people groups that you mentioned, Neil, and we know there's thousands and thousands of unreached people groups who still don't have the, certainly the Bible in their own language, but many of them have not even heard about Jesus. So even in that sense, as your caller rightly said, if we even take that as a form of date setting, well, it looks like we've got some work to do yet. We still have heaps of uh, people groups that have never heard. So again, that should be our sense of urgency. That should be our passion. Not, oh boy, I'm excited Jesus is coming back, I can just relax, but wow, there's people who don't know Jesus. We need to go out and tell them. So that should be, the again, the priority, the heart of God here, not kind of a selfish, oh goody, I'm finally, I'm finally going home, but what about those who haven't heard? What about even your neighbor, your loved ones? So that's kind of the, uh, the priority I think we need to always keep in mind in this discussion. Andrew from Bow Desert, thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. And I can sort of hear a few brains rattling, uh, thinking, uh, you know, where are all these unreached people groups? Well, just to uh, to draw attention, uh, from time to time I talk to people who are missionaries and doing the work of the kingdom in the nation of India. Well, in India, there are some parts of India where there are hundreds of millions of people hundreds of millions uh, who are still in conditions where they don't have electricity, they don't have technology, and they seriously have never heard the name of Jesus. Uh, so uh, just giving an indication of uh, of some of the uh, groups in the world that perhaps have never heard and uh, a, a group that we may well be called to support uh, when we hear about the sorts of missionary activity that goes into these places. Uh, taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Jonathan from Perth's back with us. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome yes. back to 2020. Yes, hello. Jonathan, we've got you. Don't let us go this time. What What were you going to add? Yes, uh, according to what I learned from one of the books, it said that at about 21,000, uh, 11,000 uh, ethnic groups that now hold it, that need to be reached, and only 10,000 are being reached, and 11,000 remaining. So if somebody is assuming that Christ will soon come, I don't believe it, because he said, occupy till I come. And he gave all conditions according to one that other people are talking about. In Matthew 28, he said, Go ye, preach the gospel to every nation. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he don't give us special date. So according to the speaker, we should not deceive ourselves. For other people say, he coming tomorrow, he coming next month. 
is a false teaching. Uh, Jonathan, good points there. Let's hear from Bill. Uh, Bill, Jonathan, just reinforcing, really, the idea that uh, there's still a lot of work to do. Sitting back and uh, resting and waiting and uh, thinking that the job is done isn't really the case at all. Plenty of work still to do. Yes, well, I'm certainly with Jonathan. Uh, He mentioned 11,000 groups. I know there's a lot of active work being done, and, you know, the numbers might be slightly higher, slightly lower, but that remains the case. There are plenty of unreached people groups around the world, and if we call ourselves Christians, do we have concern about these groups? Are we so selfishly waiting? Oh, Jesus, I'm sick of this world. Take me home. Well, mind you, I feel that way often, but... Do we have the heart of God for the unreached? All these unreached people groups still need to hear about Jesus. And mind you, as the West uh, gets more and more secular as well, we almost need to re-evangelize Australia and America and Europe. So, in a sense, this job is just ongoing, and that, again, should really be our passion. When we think about the end times, when we think about eschatology, it's never meant to be a selfish Oh boy, I finally get to get out of all this misery, although that's a fair uh, feeling to have. I feel it many times myself, but the question is, Lord, there's such an uh, amount of work to be done. Your kingdom is still needs to be uh, proclaimed and spread throughout the world. What can I do? How can I occupy until you come? So that should be our attitude. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It's Neil with you on 2020. Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch, our guest this hour, and talking through the issue, the end of the world, reflecting on people who of recent times have tried to set a date, saying the date for the end of the world is about to be upon us, and the most recent of those was the 7th of October. Uh, We've got time for perhaps a, a couple of more quick comments. Let's hear from Jeff in Lismore in New South Wales. Hello, Jeff. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, how are you? Good, Jeff. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I'd just like to say that Judgment Day has come and is coming. For those on the outside, Judgment Day is coming, and for those on the inside, Judgment Day has already come. Okay, just quickly elaborate on what you mean by that. Okay, well, those on the inside are on the inside of the Kingdom of God, and those on the outside are on the outside. They're carnal men born of the flesh, men of this world. Okay, so you're saying when someone comes to faith in Christ, their judgment day has already come because we've been judged not guilty because of the blood of Jesus. Is that what you're saying? No, well, I never sought the Lord. He came to me and found me. He drew you. I was on the outside, a man born of the flesh, carnal from my mother's womb, and I lived a carnal life, alienated from the kingdom of God and everything like that, just like every other man that's born from his mother's womb. And then when the Lord came, he opened my eyes and he, expl- he showed me the whole scriptures. And now I know all about it. And um, I'm just hurrying in Jerusalem at the moment, waiting to be empowered on high. And then I'll be going out to the world and telling them all the things I know. Right. Well, I can Jeff... explain to you why there's an Old Testament and a New Testament, if you want to hear that. Uh, well, I haven't got time right now, but okay. we might need to save that for another day. But, Jeff, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Uh, one more call very quickly. Muhammad from New South Wales. Hello, Muhammad. Welcome along. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. I've been listening now for a while, nearly 15 minutes. Um, to me, when I read my Bible, I, I look at the end of the world that Jesus says like this. The end of the world is not an event. It's on the message. It's just like a 
when I see the story of uh, Noah's Ark, if Noah could have built the ark in one day, the, flood, the rain could have come. But when he finished, then the rain came. That's how I think the, the Lord is put in the message for us to, to spread this, the gospel. I heard one of the callers say that, and she was true, that he left the gospel in our hands. Uh, Mohammed, I'm not sure everyone can hear very clearly what you're saying, but uh, Bill Muhlenberg, did you pick up on anything Mohammed was saying there? Yeah, I thought it was a good little illustration there that he talked about Noah. Uh, judgment was pronounced and there was a warning time given, but it took the whole time to prepare the boat and so on, and then finally the end came in that sense. And I think that's a, a kind of a good picture of uh, what we now find ourselves in, the uh, Judgment, certainly on the lost, is coming when Christ comes again. Uh, we've had plenty of warning along the way. In the meantime, we've got work to do. We've got to build our own ark, if you will, uh, get people saved and into the kingdom. So it's not a bad little picture. Thank you so much, Mohammed. Great input today here on 2020. And uh, that illustration of Noah, of course, uh, we're encouraged. Uh, in the last days, it will be just like it was in the days of Noah. People marrying and being given in marriage. There is a sense in which life goes on. Uh, the whole idea of uh, of that last day when it does come, Bill Muhlenberg, uh, like mm-hmm. a thief in the night, uh, yeah. uh, perhaps we talk about those sorts of uh, illustrations. Uh, but yeah. uh, just in closing, uh, your thoughts uh, finally just wrapping up what we're talking about. Yeah, well, good point. Very quickly on that, Matthew twenty four twenty five does talk about Noah, and he says it's going to be quite normal. People are going to be living normal life, doing normal things. So in that sense, it will be a bit of a surprise. But the good news is we read that the coming of the Lord is our glorious hope. So it's a wonderful hope indeed. And as Peter said, what sort of people ought you to be in the light of his coming? So let's uh, urge one another on, rejoice in his coming, and redouble our efforts for the kingdom. Well, Bill, uh, drawing to a close our conversation now, I just want to honour you because uh, on your site, and we talk each week, but uh, on your site there, Culture Watch and uh, BillMuhlenberg.com.au, uh, uh, you're actually alerting us to a lot of these sorts of issues and then bringing a biblical foundation. So uh, honour you for doing that and point people to simply Google Culture Watch or Bill Muhlenberg, and you'll be able to find uh, Bill's latest articles, uh, including this one we've been talking about today about the the, uh, the world coming to an end and date setters and a number of articles you can find. But Bill Muhlenberg, thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020. Many thanks. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.